When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. They're all going to laugh at you. You're listening to the Jersey Cool. Hey, everybody. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I like to hear. I want to know what that was, though. That was, I think I might have had a stroke. Yeah. Yeah. One. <laughs> there may have been a stroke involved. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the most wonderful oh time of the year. Oh my gosh. And and you know, guys, she's so bashful and so coy about celebrating, but we're going to force her today. We're going to force Jackie to do her very special birthday episode. And tonight we have such special near and dear to my heart guests. We are so excited to be partying like rock stars for Jackie's birthday. Let's welcome Vanessa and Joe. Woohoo! Hello. So I want to just first take a minute. Oh, Joey, go ahead. You look like I, I will only do birthday episodes from now on. I just want no. you to know I'm only I will only appear on commemorative birthday episodes. <laughs> and I, I know this is podcasting, so you can't see, but I actually brought a life size pinata of myself for Jackie to hit with a stick later. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> you know, I just <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Yes. <laughs> right, just like the real Regrets. thing. Yeah. There's actually nothing yeah. inside. It's all <laughs> regret and tears. <laughs> just like the real thing. Yeah. A couple of airplane <laughs> bottles of tequila might fall out, but that's really it. That's really it. Just like the real thing. Yeah. There's actually a little piece of paper inside that'll give you your lucky numbers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, first of all, let's take a minute to really welcome our guests. Vanessa, joining us from all kinds of amazing things, but most importantly, in my humble opinion, the Renegade Film Festival. Uh, Vanessa, tell yeah. us a little bit about the fest and about yourself, what you're up to. No, the fest is awesome. I'm thrilled to be working with you this year and all of the future years that I will force you to do it. Um, <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's just it's a great uh, celebration of inclusion and diversity in independent film. And I, I, I guess it's the simplest way to put it. It's just well, an awesome, awesome event. The Renegade 
Film Festival. That's right. And submissions are open through the end of this year. So make sure you go to renegadefilmfest.com or filmfreeway.com and enter your film, enter your script, enter your short, whatever you have. Yeah. And and for the record, she is selling herself very short. She's an incredible writer, director. She's kind of like does it all over there. She's amazing. And I'm so lucky to be learning the tricks of the trade from her and so excited to be helping her build up some projects that are coming up soon. Joey. Well, thanks. Oh, hey. Thank you. Thanks for coming on for our show. Joey, since we let you out of your under, we let you out from under your bridge for tonight. Uh, <laughs> yes. I am What uh, are you up to? I'm uh, Besides not doing making anything, small children pay the toll. I am, <laughs> make, make them pay a toll. Is that what you said? At first I thought you said making making small children, which is you know is also, which is my, also accurate, my pastime. Right? Um the nothing. I don't know. Writing. Teaching yeah. writing. I'm, I'm working hard for the money. I, I work for a little outfit called Three Crones Productions, making the podcast. That's doing right. The podcast thing. And every right. month madness. If you've ever wanted to think about things that cannot be pitted against each other and declare one a victor ridiculously, then that's a podcast for you. When are you uh, when are you getting uh, dear old Jackie on to talk I'm, about the I, Pearl Jam? I think the next show. It's funny because Jackie just today I started taking my doing my researches because I started uh, looking online for reader polls from music magazines for deep cuts of the old Pearl Jam. So uh, I think uh-huh. our next episode will be uh, be Jackie and Pearl Jam. Should be a good time. Ja- oh, Jackie and Pearl Jam are going to be on. That's <laughs> Yeah, Eddie will be there. Pearl Jam. We'll have <laughs> the Pearl Jam. You know what? By the time they figure out Pearl Jam's not there, they've already clicked. They, so. Too late. They've already so, subscribed. So. You can't unclick from well, a podcast. It Click subscribe, but don't cost nothing. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's cool. Yeah, no, and I want my own episode too one day. Oh, we're doing, you and I are going to do 80s theme songs. I still have it written down. It's going to be. <gasps> Vanessa and I were talking good. about doing a documentary about theme songs and then somebody stole our idea. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> the Who world did? don't move to the beat of just one drum. CNN. Oh, those bastards. Always stealing our stuff. I gotta really check the room for bugs. I could win trivia when it came to like 80s theme songs. All right. So Joey, tell tell us where we can find you. Uh JoeCostal.com, every month madness.transistor.fm. Am I right about that? Executive producer. Um, and also this month in the McNeese Review. In, In all seriousness, I have some uh poetry in a very cool literary journal called McNeese Review. You should check it out. Cool. What's the poetry about? It's it's actually for the first time in my life I've written memoir and memoir in verse, um, so it's all real life stuff. It's oh very God. very deep personal. It's all How about many... my stock collection and my puppets. <laughs> How, you know um, they, how many verses does it take to how many oh, different ways can like you say loser the, wor- the world will never know marissa like a <laughs> t- <laughs> the world will never know so jackie it is your birthday and it isn't just any birthday it is the suburban horror summer here at jersey ghouls and not only that but it is the big two one this year it's serious wow. <laughs> yeah. no, you know I'm I'm not one of those people that ever uh, dislikes getting older. Like I I am perfectly She's good. 60. I, think, I think because I can get it. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm a hot 64 this year. Um, yes. ARP, no, here she comes, baby. All right, so soon. <laughs> no, I I seriously I have never been one to shy away from getting older. I'm not one of those people that will lie about my age. I That's think good because I, I am. Have, 
Yeah, I think I, I think the fact that I'm not a big drinker, I didn't do a ton of drugs, and I don't have children. Define a really, ton. Has re- right. <laughs> not since college have I done drugs. Let's say that. I don't look quite as old as I'm turning, I don't think. Mm-hmm. You don't look a day over 58. There so- we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. So I guess you're cool with it. So it's the big 4-0, y'all. This is mm-hmm. this is a big mm-hmm. one. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And we're gonna celebrate the big exciting. four. Yeah, the big four oh, because you all grows up and you're all grown up. And we are going to celebrate it tonight with 1989's The Burbs. Of course, a Jackie pick if I ever had one. I love it. Pre-Oscar Hanks. Back when Tom Hanks was churning out the slapsticky comedies, we had problematic bosom buddies. So I want to talk about pre-Oscar Hanks, but aren't you going to do your synopsis? Oh, we, fun fact, we bought back Jackie's synopsis. Now I'm Yep, she may not know the plot of the movie, the movie, but she'll get by on her big, her boobies. big boobies. Yep, that's her jingle. So now it's time it's for yeah, your no. Party. We we had a big a big show stopping finish. We we're like Jackie, synopsis. Yeah, yeah. Did you do oh, the yeah, at the end. So glorious in no, my life. <laughs> I bet you didn't know I I sing jingles too. I bet you didn't no, know that about me. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna add that to a playlist. <laughs> Put it on the pad. Mm-hmm. Put it on the pad. There's room at the bottom. Write it down. My pen. <laughs> All right. So before we, yeah, before we do anything else, Jackie, tell us a quick synopsis of the Burbs. And if you haven't seen this movie, you guys, go ahead and treat yourself. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> the Burbs, God. Don't you, oh boy, me. Oh, Not on burbs. this, the holiest of holy days. I know, Jackie. I can't talk about it. I don't you know can't. what I'm going to talk about. No, you about, can't. You, no, I have nothing to talk about because I can't speak ill of this movie to either. I, know, I'm not, I, I feel like I could, <laughs> but I shouldn't. Go ahead. How could anyone speak ill of this movie? I, know. <laughs> I, I don't understand them sometimes. It's I, it Maybe it's a cultural thing with them being raised the way they were. The, the, <laughs> the Cubano don't know funny. Maybe, I don't know. Honestly, don't know. The, the comment. Cubano the, the, don't know funny. The term the burbs, we probably didn't understand what the hell they were talking That's about. That's true. That is very true. We being really raised, being raised. I was like, you guys are city kids. That's the thing, too. Yeah. You guys, I was like, this El Barrio? El Barrio? <laughs> <laughs> and then so, nobody answered, so I didn't wreck so, it. So welcome, welcome to the burbs. Tom Hanks is on vacation. Uh, and they have got some some neighbors that live next door. So like this is like this is just a, it's another street in any any town USA, uh, which actually I think mm-hmm. is actually supposed to be outside of Chicago in this in this movie. But um, you know you're friendly with certain neighbors, and then there's some neighbors you don't talk to, including Tom Hanks's next door neighbor. They let their lawn go to shit. They don't upkeep their house. Like everybody's house looks really nice. These people are clearly the weirdos they never come out like they've never introduced themselves so you know they must be up to no good so tom hanks and his little cohort of buddies decide to investigate like they suddenly become paranoid convince themselves that these people are obviously murderers and in this case i'm not wrong hilarity ensues very good very nicely Spot done. On. That was nice. Spot on. That might be the nice shortest synopsis. Jackie synopsis ever. Oh my god, that was so good. Yes. Yeah. Um. So I guess yeah. So this is directed by Joe Dante. Um. And I think there's a lot of 
Joe Dante-esque-ness in this film. I think if, short of having a Mogwai somewhere in the background, I couldn't imagine. This is a Dante joint if we've ever seen one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it has has Dick Miller in it. So that's how you know it's Mm -hmm. a Dante movie. There is a Mogwai. Shut the hell up. Mm-mm-mm. Where is so it? So if you go back to the breakfast scene, I wish I could have like a replay and do the video. You go back to the scene where they wake up in the morning, <laughs> the kid's eating cereal or pancakes or whatever the hell he's eating. There is a box of gremlin cereal. What? That's awesome. Nice. That is Thank fun. you, Mr. Dante. Thank you. Yeah. And this was written by Dana Olson, who uh, created for all the people with kids out there, Henry Danger. She wrote and created that show, which if you have kids, oh. you probably know what I'm talking about here. I um, do. And, yep. See, and I tell you when I I don't throw the term star studded around loosely, but this film star studded y'all not only does it have my queen, Carrie Fisher in it, but it also has, you know, a little guy, Tom Hanks, Bruce Dern, Bruce Dern being sexy somehow in this movie. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I don't know yeah. how he pulls it off, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this was wedged right in between Big and Turner and Hooch. This was the movie that in that chronological order. And this is right on the cusp of when he starts getting classy with like Joe versus the volcano and Bonfire of the Vanities. And mm-hmm. then he takes a turn and he becomes the Tom Hanks we all know and love yeah. today. And it's it's Philadelphia, yeah. it's far right. Yeah. It's win Oscars, right. it's be serious. Like right. But but this was like, you know, what's funny to me is that you when you you it's like our whole lives you've geared up for Tom Hanks, right? Like Tom Hanks's presence means something. And what the burbs, besides just repeating to myself that I must love Jackie, that I, I sat through the burbs again recent, like in modern times. <laughs> But when, you know, it reminded me of a time when, when Tom Hanks meant like hijinks, it meant like slightly sucio, you know, like a little bit off color kind of hijinks. It meant like really lame jokes. It was like a very, it was like, there was like a very Tom Hanks vibe that like, it's amazing to me that he's been able to shift so much in his career. It's unbelievable. Like it, it really is a thing, you know, that we used to think Tom Hanks meant one thing and then he got to just mean really prestige movies which is such a rare like evolution you know not today tom hanks today you are the burbs tom hanks yeah i don't remember i'm trying to look it up i don't remember which movie it was whether it was sleepless in seattle or if it was philadelphia but he literally had to fight for the role because the director was like but you're the funny guy. Like, I don't want. Funny. No, it was Jonathan Demi who who didn't okay, trust so him. Philly- Sleepless oh. in Seattle was Rob Reiner, who I think oh, okay. could do it. But John. Yeah. Jonathan mm-hmm. Demi, who who I think is very underrated. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everybody knows Silence of the Lambs, but he also did. I think he did one of Anne Hathaway's best movies, a movie called Rachel Getting Married. On very I like that. I very little, much like it, that. But I, yeah, I have yeah, never really, seen it. Should I get the list? Yeah. Add it to the pad, baby. Um, I but a, but a very good drink. one. <laughs> drink, is that our game? Whatever Vanessa has mm-hmm. seen a movie, we drink. Um, Definitely worth adding. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Jonathan Demi, you were right. You're absolutely right, Jackie. Jonathan Demi didn't think he could do it, and then he uh, he won he won the Oscar, right? He was nominated. I think mm-hmm. he won, right? Didn't he win? Yeah. That was his first Oscar. He won one yeah. for yep. Well, it's interesting you bring up Jonathan Demi because there's actually a Silence of the Lambs connection to the Burbs. Fun fact, number whatever, <laughs> the dog, Walter's dog, is precious in Silence of the Lambs. 
Oh. Talk about Starstruck. Wait, did your mind just blow? Talk Holy about Starstruck. Holy fucking crap. Precious. Put the precious. fucking lotion in the basket. Oh, my God. Give me back my fucking dog. The um, again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, precious. <laughs> I, I don't get me started on my, like, inability to understand how the girl keeps precious at the end. Don't get me. I, there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, do oh it back over it's there. It's such you a okay? problem. She has such a problem that, that that Precious gets a decent owner. Yeah. Why the yes. fuck? Okay, that's some PTSD trigger shit right there. You Every time you look at that dog, you're going to be reminded of sitting in a basement putting the lotion on. So good luck with that life. Yeah, they survived. Like- they survived together. They're survivors. I, I just want to point out that Vanessa's fun fact of which she could not remember the number, though I'm pretty sure the number was two. Um <laughs> I the fun fact almost killed Jackie. It almost killed Jackie. Jackie's dying. The <laughs> dog number two. The dog being in both of these movies just destroyed Jackie <laughs> on her birthday. Oh, oh, I man. should clarify that I did not research the validity of these fun facts. I got any, one. We cannot stand by for, any of these fun facts. No. I, it was a YouTube video on. that I got them from. So you know what? Just Nine times out of ten, else. if it's not the first or second hit on Google, like we just give up. If it's if it's yeah, the first it's, hit on Google and it tells me something I want to know, it's Bible. I take it. Vanessa, it's a birthday version of Jersey Ghoul, so we don't have the normal Price Waterhouse level of validation that normally goes into. Yeah, you're Jersey fine. Ghoul. You're yeah. fine. We don't find do my, my little list is good. I didn't <laughs> cite nearly as many scholarly uh, papers as I normally do for this episode, mm. so it's fine. Yeah, she she stayed off Jester, just J store for tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Jester, uh, Jester might be more accurate. Yeah, tonight is strictly <laughs> went to Barnes and Nobles, bought the Cliff Notes. Like that's that's the research I love- that I did. <laughs> I love that you literally think they still sell Cliff Notes anywhere in the world. Yeah, or that there's Barnes and Nobles. <laughs> well, it is 1989. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's it true. is. Let's be real. That's true. She's going to way. I'm apparently turning eight years old. So, you know, what's up? Oh, man. Uh, so can we talk about how the Tom Hanks' character, he's on vacation. So it's, 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 the, it's our summer vacation. It's the week of vacation. And... His wife, R.I.P. the amazing Carrie Fisher, this bitch is like, we need to go to the lake. We need to do something. We need to do this. And it's like, and she was 100 percent right. She was 100 percent. right. She was not right. Because when you work 40 hours a week, when you've got the kids, when you're doing all this stuff, isn't just taking a break and like being lazy, an ideal vacation, like not having to go anywhere, not having to do this. Like, is it to me the lazy vacation? Because when you like go to Disney or go to the lake or do this or that, by the time you come back, you're like, God, I need a vacation from my vacation. Nah, right, if you're, you're home on the couch, just chillaxing all week, you're recharged and good to go. No way. Yeah. I, 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 so this is speaking to the larger issue of just the fact that like, I don't, I, I remember really liking this movie and I just, I just, I, I don't, I didn't like Tom Hanks' character at all. And I don't remember that. I think when I was young, I did like him for some stupid reason. Maybe because I was little and I didn't, I didn't know any better. But I don't find I his character likable at all in this. And he's still, even for Tom Hanks. They're kind of just as much the villains as the villains. Because they spend so much of this movie without much evidence terrorizing this family next door. 
Yeah, he gets away with it because he's Tom Hanks. Like, you're right. There's a certain level of coming off of big, coming off of all of the things that we find him adorable in. I don't think this movie works if it's not Tom Hanks in that lead role. So that's fair. I feel like he really wasn't the one leading the crusade against the neighbors. Not like, first, he kind of no. got pressured it like the dude just wanted to relax and not be bothered Mm -hmm. like he wanted to lay around drink beer and watch tv and keep his jammies on Mm -hmm. and it was who's not rumsfield the one that gets electrocuted Mm -hmm. i feel like he was really the ray Ray. that was really like (laughs) i just refer to him as flapjacks from his character in groundhog (laughs) 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 um oh my god I'm sorry, we've been recording for how long and we failed to mention that Corey Feldman is in this movie as kind of like the reverse harbinger. <laughs> I don't, right. I don't understand what's wrong with us. Uh, it's old oh age. <laughs> um, how? Also, how did we not mention that Malachi's in this movie? Who let him out of the cornfields, y'all? Like, I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. See, okay. Go ahead, Jeff. So how 80s is the whole idea of even needing Corey Feldman in this movie. Like it, it is just the most quintessentially eighties like device, because first of all, the, the fact that like a teenager needed to be there to validate it all. And, and, and so obviously just make it palatable to the moviegoers who were mostly teenagers, you know what I mean? Like so there's that. And then also the eightiesness of the teenagers were like, they are just, the most desensitized humans who have ever lived on the earth, right? Like everything that happens is just, yeah. Accurate for 80s teenagers. (laughs) Yeah. We were pretty fucking desensitized in the 80s too. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's better or worse today. It's First of all, I'm going to stop you there because if I make it, let's say I ever make it to, to Hollywood and I'm out there and I'm sitting in the director's chair and I'm getting ready to fucking roll and somebody says, wait, do you want Corey Feldman in there? I'm going to be like, absolutely. I want Corey Feldman in there. So I don't know that you should be, you know. No, yeah, I'm not. It. I'm not saying it's it's a worse movie because of Corey Feldman. I'm saying no, that it's just funny. Like impossible. it's so obvious why he's there, right? Like because they definitely wrote this movie first, and were like, kids are not going to go watch this movie. Yeah. <laughs> just as someone who had never seen it in, in its entirety, or maybe just didn't remember watching it when I was young. Going into this fresh, I had two like battling thoughts in my head the entire time. The first one was that there were so many lines that were like fall down funny. And I got to give Vanessa a quick shout out here because she took my favorite line and put it on a coaster for me because I love that. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. And she straight up made me a coaster of it. But there were so many like I feel like. I don't think people like I think and I'm guilty of this as the person who's always finding everything problematic, but delightful. I am. I I feel like there were so many funny lines that like I was laughing so hard in a way that felt kind of fun and, and cathartic and and like made me remember why I love movies like Turner and Hooch and Big. And 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 I know that these these films don't always hold up, but God, were there some really good chuckles in this the, movie for me. The best part yeah. about that is you have the actors to thank for that because this movie was being filmed during a writer's strike. And while the writer was on set, Joe Dante basically was like, you guys can ad lib. And the guy, Ray, the, the actor who played Ray, that was an ad lib. Satan, Satan wow. is our pal. Was oh an my ad God, lib. So funny. The scene yeah. when Tom Hanks throws the gurney into the back of the ambulance and then gets in the ambulance. Ad lib. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah the movie was majority improv. Yeah, because they they you're right. They couldn't do any rewrites. 
So yeah. it the, was the, like, do your thing. The the moment that was the most genuine, and unfortunately, it comes at the very beginning of the movie, and then I feel like, but the moment I love is when Tom Hanks tries to throw the coffee on the paper boy. I just think that's such a, like a <laughs> desperate move, you know. I, I I laugh every time, and and that's an iconic scene, right? Like you've seen it so many times, it still gets a chuckle out of me. Yeah. Does anybody know my fun fact finders? Is this the same neighborhood set they used for? Um, uh, Fright Night. Oh, I don't know. I don't know about Fright Night, but I do know another popular television series that it Ooh. was. <laughs> Fun fact. It's the, it's the neighborhood from uh, Desperate Housewives. Oh, so I did not watch, fact. but I'm not putting that on my list. Cause no. Why? Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't watch um, that either. I have, I have a, a, a long bit on this neighborhood. So it was a back lot at Universal. And they were actually filming and they like it got behind because they had tour groups coming through and they'd like stop for 20 minutes while people took pictures and yada, yada. But it was on the back lot where they eventually filmed Desperate Housewives. But the house that Tom Hanks was in is actually the Leave it to Beaver house from way back in the day. And the house that Corey Feldman was in was, I'm not going to sing the theme song, the monster's house oh wow that's awesome. again not not verified but i think it's true but seems legit <laughs> it adds we'll up call it, we'll call it verified yeah yeah um oh my God, that's amazing. yeah so i i definitely will own that it had some really funny moments um and I did have to kind of swallow what I felt was a downright abusive treatment of his wife, especially because it was my queen, Carrie Fisher. I was like, how dare you talk to her that way? Um, and I also, I have to say, like getting into kind of our theme of the summer in the burbs and what a nightmare the suburbs really are, I not knowing how it was ending, the only time where I was like, got my pen and started furiously writing and fell in love with this film was in his ending soliloquy when he was like, or monologue, where he was like, you know, we're the fucking monsters and this and that and the other thing. And I was like, yes, yes, that's the theme. That's why the suburbs are the worst. And then it the, the foot dropped and it turned out that the, the foreign neighbors were indeed murderers. And apparently there were a bunch of different things that were supposed to be in the back of the tr- the car. Um, but they they landed on bones after a while. That's my big fun fact. There was like bodies and all this other stuff they thought would be too upsetting. But once it switched again and the reveal was that the, the foreign neighbors were in fact murderers, I felt like it lost any potential for being a movie that would be able to kind of be like, yeah, this, see, it kind of holds up. And I was like, oh no, it's problematic. <laughs> but- According to uh, my sources, it is the same exact set, The Burbs and Fright Night have the same set i thought it looked from and that's just a testament to i've i've watched fright night too many oh times my God. is that a yeah. thing i don't think that's a thing uh yeah no such thing as too so, many times for fright night here is my question i pose to the group yeah, yeah. hit me do any of y'all know your neighbors yeah. like in this day and age like do you <laughs> like, vanessa do you do you know your neighbors? Because I can tell you right now that yeah. I personally vaguely know the neighbor that one neighbor that lives next door. There's I'm on a corner. So the neighbors across the street, I have never met them formally. We've waved. 
Um, but that's really about it. And like growing up, I knew my neighbors, but that really doesn't count because I was related to most of them. But like, <laughs> I would like, I think if someone said like, do you know your neighbors? My legit, like honest answer is no, I don't know my neighbors. I so you don't know my your... neighbors. Uh, I don't socialize with them, but I mean, I know them. We've had conversations. I know their kids. I have their phone numbers in case okay. of an emergency <laughs> of whatever could happen. You know, well, bodies being happen. buried in a basement kind of thing. Bodies, yeah. baby, you know, but there are neighbors that like nobody knows. And it's like, who, who, who's in that house now? Nobody knows. And no one goes over there. Joey doesn't know his neighbors. No, I, I, I try very hard to be friendly, but not friends with neighbors because I, I do feel very, which is weird because I think I'm a pretty social person otherwise, but I feel very wary of people who have access to me like at vulnerable times. I, I don't know. I do have, I have a, I have a certain neighbor phobia, Jackie, if that's what you're, you're getting at. I, de I definitely do. Might I say, I think we, we got that from growing up in the hood. I think yeah, maybe. You, you, you grow up with a healthy like defense mechanism in that way. Cause mm -hmm. I actually am pretty good friends with my one neighbor and combative comedically combative with the old man who lives on the other side. So I oh, would say, I've seen do that, I know them? Actually. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Do yeah. I know my neighbors? Sure. Do I get along with them? No. But do I know him? Oh, I, I know him. But um, yeah, no, the one neighbor I'm pretty close with, like, but I, yeah, I'm with you, Joe. I think as people who grew up in a, a more city environment, we didn't really grow up with the politics of the burbs because they are, it's very, it's so political around here. Like <laughs> it really is. It's, 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 it's incredibly political. It's incredibly catty. You're probably smart, Vanessa, to be diplomatic because all these people, they be talking, man, g all around. Like you can't trust any of these mofos and it's so clicky and it's so small that like, I, mm -hmm. I do, I feel that same kind of hesitation where I'm like, I'm going to keep these people at an arm's length, especially oh. the ones who are like my kids' friends. I learned my lesson because when we first moved, when, you know, my daughter was like, I don't know, a little over a year old and we, we lived in a cul-de-sac, which it's true. It's true. I mean, you're, those are your people. You're with them totally all the time out. hanging out. Yeah. And it was full of children and we did everything together. And finally I was just like, oh, you're with these people all the time. Like, it's like you go outside and whoop, all of a sudden you're having like, a barbecue that night and it was fun in the beginning and then it was kind of like you wanted your space but then like they felt either shunned or offended by it and then all of a sudden there's this weird silent rift going on and people start talking and it's like I just wanted to be left alone for an afternoon like we don't have to be together all the time yes it's like you're describing my I'm like sweating just hearing you talk you're like describing <laughs> my nightmare I, yeah. that's well, exactly it was. what I'm afraid of is what you just described I'm was, sure I, we moved and immediately I was like, oh my God, I'm free. And I never spoke to those people ever again. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah, that's awful. That's and I'll see them. Like our communities are not that far apart. So like once in a blue moon, I'll bump into one or here or there. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> yeah, because it's like family, right? Because you don't choose them. They, they just kind of come with. They're your... there. They come with the neighborhood. Yeah. And there's they like a permanence to it. Yeah, there's a. The permanence suit that's really scary. And yet, you know, Marissa, I guess, wow, I, I don't know that I ever thought that it was West New York, which is why I'm this way. I just thought maybe I was a little bit curmudgeonly in my old age, but like, you're probably right. Like, we don't know how to negotiate 
a first. neighborhood. Like, no. because because West New York, there's an anonymity as much as it was very. I mean, I guess everybody knew each other there, too. So, it was, it was kind of, but I mean, you had a million people in one square block, right? Like the right. literally Nobody the most was having, populated yeah. place in America. So like in a way, there's always an anonymity of like where you are, you know, and and there's so many people coming and going. And so so few people own so many people are renting like it's a d- very different vibe. But like I, I still struggle to negotiate and like win that politics, which is strange because otherwise I know how to do that. But I don't know how to do it in a neighborhood. <laughs> Because we because so we didn't have that experience growing up. And yeah. I think we we have a healthy uh, fear for it because we don't I don't always get it. Like, I don't get the burbs. I always say I feel very it's out of place good. here. You should. I mean, the fr- you don't shit where you eat. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> take that how you want it. But I will say, like, I I love the community closeness of it all. Like. I love that there are like 10 different people within a stone sir that I could call for help or who know me and like, who will watch my kid. Like, I, I don't know. There's a certain, as much as I talk shit on the burbs and you've heard me talk shit on the burbs all summer in this, in this series, there is a certain comfort to it that I'm glad I'm giving my kids that I didn't have, because as much as we knew each other in, in the city, you kind of just knew each other out of the streets, but then you never like went out of your way to, to mingle and beyond that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. There's just, it's just different, but the politics of it all and the, how quick people will flip their switch. Like you said, like all of a sudden it's like everybody shuns you or like, you really got to watch yourself because you do one, one thing wrong and shit gets real, real quick. And I've seen, oh, yeah. what, you know, people get ostracized in the community for yeah, really like, crazy oh, reasons. You're not coming to the block party. Right. Right. Like oh. you didn't, you didn't donate to the PTA thing or like, right. you're not. And, and that kind of politics stresses me the fuck out. And, and dare I say that Joe, I hate to say this, but I also think that as a male, you have a little bit more of an ability to push back away from it because the guys tend to just be like, hmm. you know, what oh, I, mean? yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't, like, I don't doubt that. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd be harder to be this way. You're saying negotiate. Yeah, like you get away with it because you're a dude. Yeah, no, that's yeah. true. And you know what's funny too? As you talk, I think about the fact that like where we grew up, nobody lived anywhere where they had space, so people didn't go over. Right? Like you oh. weren't like a party in the street wasn't going to wind up in somebody's house. Also, no. there were no yards, so I think right. that's a big part of it too. Right? Like because people hung out in the street in West New York. We Everything. sat on that stoop constantly, especially this time of year. Like we were outside all the time, but we weren't outside in our own space. So you could always leave. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, cause everything was just happening in the street. So when you were done, you just got up and left. But if like, but, but Vanessa, if everybody's in your yard, then like, you can't leave. <laughs> like, I'm like, it's, I'm going inside. Like <laughs> grab your chair on the way in. I don't, the, I'm shutting the garage. Maybe. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody's right. like that bitch <laughs> right yeah right, like right inside i just right. opened my first white claw what are we gonna do yeah right now. yeah yeah well, if you're me you're already drunk so it doesn't matter that's um, true <laughs> yeah um well and you always have people like i hate the pop-ins because that's the other thing you get is like i'm i'm a pretty easygoing person but like if the doorbell rings i start sweating because i'm like i didn't invite it who, who the hell's at the door Right. And oh, me too. Living like that. Yeah, it's like kids come and take. I and hope they can't see me. Like, I'm yeah. 
It does weird me out when the kids make plans that I'm unaware of, and all of a sudden there's kids in my house or I'm dropping. It's just strange. I am yeah. so. Like, I'm not wearing any pants. I'm not answering yeah. the door. <laughs> now I'm... we know where he gets it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so over the top defensive about people at the door. But yeah, to you. you know, we had a. Remember when like people would come knock on the door in West New York, and mom and dad weren't home. No, you don't remember because it was always on me. That's why. Do you remember when we'd have to, like, we couldn't open the door? Do you remember that time when that woman begged us to open the door? You don't remember this, do you? We were home, we were very little and we were home alone. And it's like the time before cell phones and a woman came to the door. We were under, you know, my, my grandmother was one of these, like, 17 lock, you know, uh, grandmothers. There was, like, 72, like, different bolts on our door. And we were not be. we were not supposed to open them. It was very clear that we did not open the door to anybody. And a woman came and started crying that she needed to use the phone and like hysterical. And I was like, I, I'm sorry, I can't give you a phone. She was like, you know, in Spanish, she was like, oh, just give me for a minute, please. I, you know, I'm in trouble. And I just went inside and closed the door and it's awful. But like, and I don't know, maybe I saved our lives that night or maybe or maybe I didn't help this woman save her own life or what, who knows what the circumstances were. But I mean, I was very specifically trained that we never opened the door. I didn't open the door. And I, I think about it all the time though. You know, I mean, I'm still that way now with the kids, like even being in the burbs, which, you know, has this weird kind of false sense of safety with it. Um, but like, I'm like, don't, don't open the door. You don't know who's out there. If you don't like not expecting someone don't, Oh, why we have ring? Look at the look yeah. at the video. I know now. I know now. I'm like literally, whenever somebody rings the doorbell and I'm not home, I will answer it on my phone first. I'm like, why do I go away? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like Jody Foster. You might as well just be sitting in a fucking room with a to the screen, just yeah, voice stick. Like, that's oh. terrible. Panic room? Is that your reference? Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. That's what I feel like sometimes. I want to have like one of those like metal doors that close that with was... like the the, tooth, the teeth that hit each other. Joe, you probably saved yeah. our lives that night. So cheers, because I would have let them in. You know me back then. <laughs> I just well, wanted to watch the world burn. What? You had a death wish back then. I did. So, I just know. wanted to watch the world burn. So I was, um... <laughs> you would have thought it would have taken us on a grand adventure. Yep. And it would have. But we, I mean, maybe our last, but who knows? So I will say that I did a little research, y'all. I know this is surprising, but I did a little research and I came up with some really interesting kind of like things that the movie plays with that I want to kind of pose to all of you. And the first one, I'm going to have to pick on you a little bit here, Joe, because the first one is that the suburbs demasculinize us, like especially for males in this movie. I, I read this article that basically the big problem these three men have is that they are the furthest thing from real alphas in real life. Maybe one of them had a moment where he was with the military guy, but at the end of the day, they are, basically like the way the article put it said they were neutered by the humdrum of their lives and they're lashing out towards their spouses like i mean god uh what's his name's wife bruce stern's character's wife is is a really hard to overlook problematic part of this film but uh <laughs> at the end of the day i'm curious to get to, for what you guys think about that, because I don't think I have enough experience with the burbs to kind of figure that out for myself. I just thought it was an interesting theory. 
Well, you know, you mentioned that the if we could go back to something you said earlier, you mentioned that the ending is problematic from like a social standpoint. And I agree with you 100 percent. But for me, it's bigger than that, too, because I think the ending of the movie is problematic from just a content, from just a plot standpoint. Right. Like I think the from just a plot structure point of view, the ending is hard because it it completely negates what should be the thematic you know, thread of the movie. Right. Because at the end. You know, the, the, the moment of truth in the movie comes when Hanks is like, I'm a horrible person. Like, I, I can't believe I did this. And like Carrie Fisher, who is just such a vision of loveliness in this movie, by the way, I'm like so in love with her. And I think what's also funny is that it's so obvious in a very late 80s way that you're supposed to be in love with. Is it Wendy Shaw? Am I right about that? Shall or right? Mm-hmm. She's like she's in a couple of movies, right, where she plays that like very 80s, like jazzercise kind of like hot girl, quote unquote, you know, but Carrie Fisher, who's supposed to be, I think they're trying to make kind of marmish is so gorgeous. <laughs> like she just glows through this whole movie. She's a, she's so beautiful. I could not take my eyes off her and I was just more in love with her than ever. But, but anyway, aside from that, um, you know, when Hanks is like, I, I'm a horrible person. Look what I've I Look at what I've become, you know, the last 10 minutes of the movie negate all of that to make it like a very like happy ending. But I, I think that that uh, social read of it, Marissa would be very fair and very true. If the movie ended about 20 minutes before it does, because the, because the burbs do represent like that, that really droll, like, Oh, you know, like life is not boring. Life is not exciting enough for me. Um, that that leads, mm-hmm. um, you know, middle class people into these ridiculous situations and in a way is 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 not us at our best. Right. I mean, it's not humanity at, at its finest hour to to, you know, to be someone who's so comfortable that, you know, you got to invent things to you got to invent problems and invite problems into your life. And, yeah, we don't know people who like blow up each other's houses. Hopefully, well, I don't know. Del Ran Del Ran can get kind of tough this time of year. But, oh, you know, yeah, you gotta watch uh, out. While we don't know people who blow up each other's houses, we do know people who metaphorically blow up their lives only because they just didn't know what else to do on a weekend or, you know, didn't know how else to yeah, handle board. Yeah, because it really well, exactly, is out of boredom. I think that's a very common um, theme when it comes to how the suburbs are portrayed in film, especially horror. Um, because there is this sense of, you know, conformity and this need to like keep up with the Joneses. And it's like the goal in life is not to achieve some sort of dream or passion. It's well, at this point, I got to get the car in the house in this neighborhood and I have the job and I come home at 5 PM sharp and wife's got dinner on the table and my kids are in the yard and it's the same every single day. And there's something terrifying about that. And I think that's why it is a perfect setting for a horror film, because what's scarier than that? I, and I got to say that I think that that is captured the best in Edward Scissorhands. You literally have these cookie cutter houses and the same thing, all the cars are pulling in at the same time, all the husbands are coming home, all the wives are there. There's the intrusive neighbors and, oh, you're having a barbecue, let's have a barbecue, you're having a barbecue. And like this whole time, like between what Joe had said and Vanessa, what you're talking about, all I keep thinking about is Edward Scissorhands. And, yeah. and that is like, there. there's the bit of suburban horror. And when you mirror that to the character from Edward Scissorhands, when you mirror that to Edward, who was supposed to be kind of that mystery, right, really, 
it's it's you know really it's everyone in the neighborhood they're the the, oh. the real villains. they're the monsters 100%. right yeah. because he was presented as yes like you said like he's supposed to be the monster but mm-hmm. the monster is us it's, it's on maple it's yeah <laughs> yeah and and Vanessa, your point, I think what makes it so rife for horror is that idea that like, you know, we're terrified of that existence, but we're also terrified of losing that existence, right? So like, oh, yeah. as soon as it slips through our fingers, we are mortified to a degree that what do like, we do? right. And, and it almost like, it makes it very cute. It makes it kind of cool, you know, oh, that we were bored before, but now we are truly horrified because all of this thing that we willingly gambled away right like that we were so annoyed with that we let it slip away it now becomes the most important thing so it's it's so it's such an an excellent trope because it works on both sides of the equation it yeah. it's at the core of what scares us you know in every way well absolutely and i think joe you're hitting on something really important with like the cyclical nature of our being drawn to the burbs because i've read this amazing article that i will definitely link in the show notes called how the burbs predicted the death of the suburban fantasy and it basically like puts forth the theory that like in the 80s we were trying to recreate this like fake safety we gave ourselves with 50s burbs and the moment where they talk about uh the guy skip or whatever the guy who um was the soda pop guy who like yeah, murdered his killed. neighbors yeah, 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 was yeah. like a callback to the reality of the fact that the burbs are not any safer or any better. And the article goes on to talk about like the PTSD of the Vietnam war in that character, or like even how in the fifties and sixties, all these horrible things were going on all over the country, but the burbs were the safe quote unquote place. The truth is all the burbs do is like give you a false sense of security and, and try to yeah. hide the real dangers of the world around you and you can't escape them. Yet we are drawn to this theory and this idea that if we move to these little idyllic neighborhoods, we can somehow shelter ourselves and our children and our lives. And then irony vireties, we get fucking bored and do shit like this. So it's like, there's all these yeah. real dangers in that neighborhood, yet they have to invent something. And again, it gets kind of, the whole metaphor gets shot to shit at the end, but there's something really interesting to me. And you're right. I think this is why this summer of the burbs has been so fascinating to me. It's just like this idea of why we're so drawn to this life, yet we're also so fucked up within it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I had a moment of, I don't even know what I want to call it. Not Was it like an aha speak? moment? A little, it was a little bit, it was I kind of had like a little woke moment because, oh. well, I say that in the sense of like, I, another question that I had posed was like, so guys, was there like a creepy house in your neighborhood or is there a creepy house in your neighborhood? Because clearly this house next door is a creepy house. And I'm like, all right, so did I have a creepy house in my neighborhood growing up? And I'm like, oh, yeah, like I can totally think of one. But then like as I'm thinking about it and now looking at it from a lens of a grown up, I'm like, that was in the lower, a lower income area of my town. And then it's like that whole like social thing where it's like you don't know what's going on. Like, yeah, their house is run down. They haven't mowed the lawn, you know, and it's like, well, maybe Maybe it's an income issue. Maybe they don't have the means or, you know, whatever. Like, so to just call out like the creepy rundown house may not mm. necessarily, you know what I mean? Like that to me, like I picked up is slightly problematic because w- for me, as I'm sitting here thinking of like, yeah, I definitely can think of a creepy house in the town where I grew up in. And I'm like, it was also in like a lower income area of the town I grew up in. And 
that's not necessarily fair to call the lower income area the creepy area because their house wasn't right. as nice as mine. But it's also playing, it's also playing upon that duality that we all need the crappy house. We need the crappy house because otherwise then ours doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So in, in a way, and that's what makes me mad about the movie because it does hint to this at the beginning. And I think, I really do think this movie is destroyed by its the time it's made and they just didn't have they, they just didn't put the time into getting it right but there's there's things in the script at the beginning that seem really to point towards this idea because i love when um what do we say his name was the other the friend the electrocuted right. guy right. When, right. when he's when ray's like you remember the people who used to live there they wouldn't let their lawn get like that they wouldn't let the house go into disrepair and so he's like trying to pump up tom hanks to be like we can't allow this but they love it, right? They secretly love that it gives them something to be better than. And and the fact that um, they're still the bad guy, that the that the foreign, you know, whatever family, whatever they are, the group of guys in the house are the bad guys, just ruined the, the whole thing. Though I will say, this movie does do an amazing job of introducing national treasure Henry Gibson. Like where they Agreed. do the light and it's like this Agreed. dramatic moment. Cause that guy is just the freaking coolest. <laughs> like he's in so, everything. He's so in Nashville for Christ's sakes. This movie ruined him for me because, so I have been watching this movie. I'm trying to look up the name of his character in this movie. Um, so I have been watching Dr. the verbs. Dr. Klopek. Kopek, yes, Kopek. Uh, so I, I've been watching this movie probably since it came out. This is a movie that I have remembered watching forever. Yeah. And for the longest time, I only knew Henry Gibson from this movie. So as the Nazi time, and Blues Brothers, that's what I know every about. time I saw Illinois him in something, Nazis. Now, every time I saw him in something, I automatically guy. just assumed he was the bad guy. I assumed he was like he the is. bad foreign guy, like always, <laughs> like always the bad foreign guy because of this movie. Kind of like how I used to be afraid of David Bowie when I was little. Um, like legitimately, I was There's afraid of David Bowie because I thought what he looked like in Labyrinth is what he looked like all the time. So I Which legitimately- is pretty true. I, yeah. I legitimately I mean, was like afraid of his music. I didn't want to listen to his music because it made me think of him as Jareth. Oh, and I was oh. afraid of Jareth as a little kid. Oh, Jared made me feel things as a kid I had never felt before. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I saw the bulge. I was like, it I was the bulge. Yeah, it was the bulge that did it for me. Yeah, no, I was legitimately afraid of David Bowie's music because I thought that he looked like Jareth all the time. That's hilarious. And I was not having it. Yeah, it's amazing. But he's well, amazing. if you watch him dance in the music video for Dancing in the Street, you won't be afraid anymore. Yeah. <laughs> or you were, well, you'll, you'll be more afraid. Just something a little different. Yeah, there we go. Look at you. Might be more afraid. No, he is in everything. And I always think of him for Blues Brothers, but. <laughs> Illinois Nazis. Um, um, yeah, but he's, yeah, he's in everything. He's in Robert Altman movies. He's in like every yeah, cool TV everything. show from the 80s. He's yeah, cool. pretty much. Yeah. The other cool thing I, I stumbled upon while doing some research for this episode is the fact that suburban gothic is a uniquely American genre. And that um, I read about how like Matheson and Shirley Jackson kind of took the gothic out of the castles and into the burbs. And there it happily sits in horror for today. And I love this idea that like the monsters, uh, like, you know, like that they migrated from from the castles to the to the burbs, because basically it's yeah. like this uniquely American phenomenon. And and I love that 
it brings so much horror that is so just tethered to the human condition because we can't help it. And I do think it's because we want to feel better about ourselves. And Jackie, you're right. It's I live on like the bad side of town, like the poor side of town. And I know people judge me for that. And I feel like in a weird way, staying distanced from the hub center of town and like the real keeping up with the Joneses gives me a sense of home and like a sense of the the inner city and a sense of distance from all of them that as we like navigate the idea of moving, I keep like balking because I don't know that I'll be good at that. And like, you're right. It is a privilege to live in the nicer houses that I don't necessarily have, but I, I'm, I know people probably talk shit on us for living where we live in Delran and I'm so happy here but on the flip side i'll be the first one to like be like well did you see what blah, blah, blah did so it's like it's amazing how we fall into these traps and these tropes and yeah my big i think my biggest problem with this film was like perpetuating the the danger of the other to the suburbs that really broke my heart to see that like yeah be you know but other than that I think you got to take it for what it is, right? It's a 1989 movie with Tom Hanks, so. Yeah, again, this is this is pre-Oscar Tom Hanks. Now, now, Joe, so you are not a fan of this movie, and that's okay, and I thank you for not talking too much shit. But before I judge you completely, let me ask about another Hanks movie to see how you feel about that. Dragnet? Uh, no, no. <laughs> you know that, um, do you know that Marissa made, me wa- made us watch Dragnet? We watch Dragnet every single day. I, I like that I've movie. seen that movie a lot. <laughs> Um, See, so I'm a good company. Probably, I, I really love the Burbs. The Burbs, I've been waiting to do this movie for a long time, so I'm happy we finally get to do it. But I have Yay. to say, even more so than the Burbs, I think the Money Pit is yeah, Hanks I love them. Yeah. at his finest. Yeah. I actually, yes. so the DVD that I have of the Burbs is a is a double feature. It's the Burbs and Money Pit, and it's it's that's like the greatest Friday night ever. Yeah, no, I do, I do yeah. love the Money Pit. I do love the Money Pit. I will never not, I will never, nothing will ever replace the spot in my heart for Dragnet though, because, and it, it's so deep that even like, I'll tell you this real quick anecdote. We're having um, the high school where I work, uh, the, the, the area around the high school is having like an influx of like motorcycle gangs. And so it comes up a lot, you know, that like motorcycle gangs are around. And, and for the most part, I think that these are like scary groups of people who are, I don't know. If, I don't oh my know. God, are they accepting new members? I they're, want to put in an application. Doing, you know, they're doing <laughs> things that are not very good, you know, whatever. So occasionally, because I'm an administrator at a school, we talk about these kinds of things. And one of the groups is the Pagans. <laughs> and every time someone <laughs> mentions them, I think of people against goodness and niceness. <laughs> Dude, I'm watching Dragnet tonight <laughs> yeah. Pagan, people against goodness and goodness. niceness because marissa loved that scene i do yeah. i do yeah we can start oh my god we need bacon shirts no you i don't think you should start with that one we, guys. No, we should start <laughs> we should start our own my our bicycle uh bicycle uh motorcycle gang. It should be yes. a bicycle gang we can be hex angels can I we ride the bike with the two wheels on the back yeah. <laughs> I like the really big handlebars. Like, <laughs> oh yeah! I just want to be. And I have a sidecar. Yeah, I want the goggles and the sidecar. I think that move I just did was actually a David Bowie dancing in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh my god! I'm so excited. I I need to like own Dragnet. Um. I can't believe you don't. I can't believe I don't either. It's crazy. Well, but, um, you know, Jackie, you'd mentioned this a little bit, and it's interesting to like how we watched 
the burbs and how many times we saw it. And it's funny. I, so I was talking to my friend, Adam Marcus, um, and because I told him we were doing this and he was like, oh my God, the burbs. He's like, let me guess. He goes, you were what, 13? You recorded it off of HBO and you watched your little VHS tape over and over. And I was like, that's exactly what I did. How did How you know? know? And he was like, because everyone did that. I was like, yeah. that's like, that's what I did. HBO, we just got it. And I was like, oh, burbs record. Yeah, I could still tell you the other movies that are on the tapes that we recorded stuff on. I don't remember this one per se, but I know Dragnet. I think it had 48 hours on it. <laughs> Another movie yeah, I never If you watched. were lucky, you got the good tapes that you could record two movies on. Yeah. 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 No, this one, we had a little like mom and pop uh video rental store um and it was like two it was right across the street from our grade school it was like you know three blocks from our house and we could go after school and stop at the video store you know on a friday to get a movie and i'll tell you the burbs was one that we rented all the time yeah garbage pail kid movie we rented all the time um we oh, scares me seen that i haven't seen um, that don't add it to the list. She's so afraid. Don't, don't, don't do it. Do it. Don't do it. You know what? I own it. I'll, I'll, I'll FedEx it to you. You can borrow it. No, don't do it. You'll have that for weeks. No, but the other thing that we rented all the time, you had to go up to the counter for, no, it's not porn. Um, but up at the counter Mm. of this video store, they had the VHS board games and we used to get the VHS board game of Clue and we would get Nightmare all the time. And like to this day, I could see this VHS clue board game. And I'm a person that like dropped a hundred dollars on eBay for a game from my childhood. And now that I'm saying it out loud, I need to find that clue VHS game because it, it had fantastic. the clue VHS game. Had it was it. fantastic. My parents might still. I should go look in their uh, attic. Awesome. It, yeah, I love it. It'll be melted. It was it, <laughs> the Burbs was definitely one that we rented. I think we did Howard the Duck a lot too. I remember that, that movie one scared me too. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, okay, like I do watch certain films a lot and clearly have a list of movies I've never seen. And it doesn't make any sense that there are some great, great cinematic gems on this list that I need to see. But I've also seen Howard the Duck too many times to admit to. How and why? Why? How? No, that movie scares me. I've seen it a lot. And they thought it was going to be theater too. They thought they thought well, that movie was going to be immense. I tried to watch it again, thinking maybe I wasn't fair to it in my childhood, but no, it is cringy. No, it's awful. And, yeah, it is bananas. Awful. It really is. But, but I found it entertaining enough to watch it. Yeah, way more than once. I mean, you're talking about a generation of movies where like Short Circuit and you know like. Oh, take it easy on sh- like, you know, it, it it was hard to say what America would have warmed up to, you know, like why oh ET, God. but not batteries not included, <laughs> you know, like you know, uh, you know, I warmed up to batteries not included. <laughs> ET, ET could be terrifying. Oh, In a I know a lot of my was, it was a little bit. Yeah. I I um so I saw ET when I was little, but I didn't finish the movie because I got really upset when ET died. And oh. I, oh boy, like, are you in for a treat? No, here's here's the story. <laughs> I I got so upset when I thought ET died that I didn't want to finish the movie. I then <laughs> refused to watch the movie ever again because I'm like, I, it made me too upset when ET died. I thought ET 
died in the movie. And when the 25th anniversary movie, like when it came out, I was like, you know what? I need to suck it up. I need to watch it. And while I cried through most of the movie, because that movie just makes me cry at the drop of a hat. When I realized that E.T. didn't die at the end, it was like mind blowing. It was absolutely, it was like Rosebud is a sled mind blowing to me. I am E.T. didn't actually die. I still sobbed like for the whole rest of the end of the movie, but I swore he died. And I'm like, I'm not going to be sad on purpose. I'm not watching that movie. I will. It is going to take me a long time to let go of the three seconds I spent tonight thinking that we lived in a world in which you didn't know that E.T. doesn't die at the end of E.T. Because I was my whole fucking life was going to crack <laughs> implode into itself if we had to show you the end. I, mean, I can't even now I can't like I almost want to go write a story about having to show someone the end of E.T. Like that this is the yeah. most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to tell us you didn't know that E.T. lives. <laughs> I, I avoided it because I thought you died. Turn on your heart light. <laughs> I thought I did. And I'm like, I can't. I you literally me. upset me. And it upset me so much that I'm like, I am never going to watch this movie. That like, I'm not going to put myself through this emotional roller coaster. And then, yeah, I went like a, probably like a, I, I didn't see it. I don't, I can't think that I saw it when it first came out. Probably not. But I want to say I probably spent like a good, like, 13 years of my life thinking that he died at the end. So like, why am I going to watch it? Like, that's too sad. Like, it's terrible. All I know sad. is I will be goddamned if Turn On Your Heart Lights isn't going to be the ending theme song for this show tonight. It better be. Oh, my, oh my God. God. Yeah, no, but I did. I did when the 25th anniversary came around. I did watch it. And I'm like, oh, okay, so it's all good at the end. But still, even with its like happy ending, I'm sobbing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's writing itself a, a Twilight Zone episode where like someone's life is completely derailed by the fact that yeah. he died. Jackie, I don't I don't know how to how to say this to you, but did you finish the Titanic? Because I don't know if you should go back <laughs> and watch the 20th anniversary. It might not it might not be as happy of an ending for you. So you wasn't might wanna... nearly, it was not nearly as sad. It really wasn't. What, what are you talking about? Rose takes Jack's name when they land in New York. That's right. <laughs> They're penniless, but happy. They are. They are. I had a friend who that movie broke her to a point where like we saw it in college. We went home. She was still crying. We were getting ready to go out because it was college and she was still crying. And I was like, are you going to be OK? Like, Leo's fine. He's OK. I, I would be lying if I said I didn't ugly cry and break down in the middle of the theater all the way out the door, like oh, to the point where so they had to scoop me up. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know I, I mean, ugly cried. Titanic didn't do that to me as much. No, because as- there are people. That's why E.T. was a cute creature. That's why he got your he heart lights. No, uh, <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. Leo's Romeo and Juliet got um, me more than Titanic. Really? I don't know why. Maybe, you know what? Maybe you read the book in high school. Been- <laughs> No, you're kidding me that's definitely I've, I was one of those pretentious people in like eighth grade like in middle school when someone would talk about like Romeo and Juliet like I was one of those pretentious people like you know it's called like the tragedy of Romeo and Juliet like it's not a happy thing so like you and your boyfriend mm. being Romeo and Juliet like she was 13 like I was a douchebag about it because like I yeah. you know I, I like I hooked on to Shakespeare early and so I don't know, just the, that performance. I really, really like that one. Same thing with Titanic. I really liked the movie, but also like I had th- at that point read a ton of books about Titanic. I think I had already been to like a Titanic museum 
like exhibit that they do where they show you some of the artifacts and stuff. So it's like, I don't know, like, you know, the ending, you know, what's going to happen, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Romeo and Juliet got me much more, got pulled mm-hmm. on the heartstrings much more for me than, uh, than Titanic did. Do you ever wonder about the poor schlep who like marries Kate Winslet's character and like pays for her horse and for her to learn to fly a plane and like has kids with her and they like they live together married for like decades and they grow old together and then he dies like you know probably working in the factories for while she while her heart goes on for years more to come and then and then that guy thinks that like the great moment in their life is like they met outside like the you know they're like by the, the bar tree. yeah yeah they're like the, at the barn cotillion and he's standing there for all of eternity waiting for her to show up meanwhile she's out doing irish jigs on the titanic for the rest of her life do you ever think about that guy what about that guy he's probably not as handsome as leo so no i do feel bad for that guy because she had an entire life with him but she went back to this moment of two days with jack and that was it yeah but what if that moment is not somebody else's moment you're just hanging around waiting for that other person to show up that's an awful eternity to spend I mean, I get it. I'm happy for her, too. And, you know, Leo's dreamy and all, but I don't want to be standing outside the cotillion. Wow, that's why, what about, that's why, what about Bill? Who yeah. <laughs> yeah. gave her all the kids and the horses in the plane? I'm with you. Yeah. That's Even the early gates alone. Like, hello. No, but he probably doesn't give it up yet. He's probably like, any minute now. I wonder if, A, she told him where she got that bling, because let's be honest, Bill was not able to afford that kind of level of bling. Like, when she would wear that on, like, Thanksgiving, he'd probably be like, hmm, where'd you find that? And- when I met Rhodes Dawson, she was very moist. <laughs> she had just gotten to New York Harbor. She was wet as a collie in a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> had a $50 million diamond in her pocket, she did. <laughs> Oh, we God. traded that thing for many horses. Poor Bill. Every day I work, so she rides. <laughs> Maybe she kept that secret to herself. Also, the Wait, fact that she that kept the necklace of, from it. Isn't that part of the plot that, like, when she, she tells never the story told anybody? Jack, this and is a small time bag of peanuts. Right. Yeah. It's been eighty-three years. Right. My Rose, <laughs> she loves peanuts. Man, I tell you what, she doesn't love <laughs> ship-going vessels. That's for sure. <laughs> Couldn't she get that like both. as hot as I tried. You're an idiot. I love, this, I love this Titanic remake. <laughs> I'm just inventing it's this been character. 83 slowly. years. 7,000 years. <laughs> That's not how she said it. It's, it's been 83 years. <laughs> Tony, put on a pot of coffee. I got to tell the story <laughs> oh, again. She did live in New York all that time. It's been you know? 83 years. And it's I been 83 tell years I've been lugging this around. Hey. Get out the good mozzarella and the gabagool. Sit down. <laughs> no, I, I made some food. Get me, we got, get me my pocketbook. I'll you tell you munch, the story if there's You munch, I talk. Pizzels. Let me tell you what there's happened. Pizzels. There's pizzels. No, it's true. It's true. You know what? Fuck Rose. That's what I say after listening <laughs> to this. <laughs> and that, I, I want mean, you to end the podcast on that. And there was well. Jackie's birthday. Yeah. Fuck Rose and <laughs> bye-byes. <laughs> Oh, Jackie, I apologize for this episode. <laughs> I thought I had fun. I'm having fun. It's been so good. I know that when Jackie's birthday picks come around, it is exclusively my right to pick them. 
And yep. Marissa and, and I all... have very different tastes, but she's always a trooper. And, you know, Vanessa Aww. and Joe, thank you, because you guys are troopers. And anybody that, that comes on with birthday episodes, whether they like it or not, they always they always at least pretend for me because That's right. my friends love me. And I, I love, love you. Love it. Love she, you. I hate the birds, but I love you. Legitimately loves this movie. I will say I have a really good fun fact. You guys ready? Oh, I'm ready. Guess who yeah. was on set but got thrown out for throwing his poop? And it wasn't Corey Feldman. <laughs> oh, that's right. It was Bubbles, right? Bubbles, yep. the chimp. Right. Because Michael Jackson was on set. Michael Jackson. Well, he was. But more importantly, apparently Corey Feldman would hang out with Bubbles. Like yeah. they were homies. Um, and yeah, and, and eventually the, the crew and Joe Dante got so sick of him throwing poop around, which I yeah. mean, fair, <laughs> yeah. that they threw uh, him off set. 100%. I was really yeah, hoping I'd the answer like, was no. going to be Bruce Stern. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. It was actually, it was Corey Haim. It was the other Corey. <laughs> I will say, you know, who else was delightful in this movie? The guy from Gremlins, the garbage man. I like when he's like, I don't pick up garbage off the street. I pick up garbage from camp. So I don't know the name of the other character actor, but he, so the two garbage men, one was Dick Miller. The other one, Robert Ricardo. Thank you. He's the one that ends up with the girl gremlin in Gremlins too. He's one of those, like, he's that guy from that thing. Like you've seen him in that thing. He's, he's an amazing character actor, but yeah, the, the two garbage men both were in, uh, both were in Gremlins, Dick Miller, who is in one of the greatest movies ever made, uh, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight. Vanessa, have you seen Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight? You should add it to your list. Terrible memory. I'm gonna look it up. I like how Vanessa all of a sudden is like, oh, if only I could write it down somewhere. <laughs> I, I gotta see what Dude, I'm you're seeing. not. You're not missing anything, trust me. Oh, oh good man. All right, so all we right. can wrap this shit right. show up. Um, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, this was, this was quality program. I'm glad no, you guys put you. the regular format aside uh, and yeah. did some shenanigans. As always. The hard-hitting, the hard-nosed conversation. conversation that normally happens here. Yep. Not tonight. We turned friend. on our heart lights tonight. We did. We all we did. did. We all don't did. We, don't we, we turn on the heart lights? Or I, I lights turned on our back porch lights for the but I, but I also <laughs> want to tell you, if your heart light stays on for more than four hours, you need to call your, your doctor. Too soon, Joey. Too soon. <laughs> I don't, I, turn did it you off. say you turned on your back door light? <laughs> that, don't make it dirty. Don't make it dirty. You're the one who's talking about back door lights. <laughs> I thought she said I'll turn on my back door which, light. Which, honestly, you shouldn't even have. All right. Well, first of all, I want to thank our guests for joining us tonight for this very special episode of Tracy Equals. And again, not very special in the creepy way, very special in the fun way. Jackie's birthday. Vanessa, thanks again. Where can we check you out at all of your wonderful projects? Um, I'm I'm everywhere. You, you can are. find me. I'm on the Facebook. Yep. I'm she's she's writing yeah. my cease and desist for Renegade as we speak, I think, after this episode. <laughs> What's, no, I'm on the socials. Uh, you know what we'll the do? Facebook. Yeah. The Facebook, the Twitter, the Twitter. She can twat. She can retwat and subtwat and do everything you do on Twitter. I'll twat you, twit. <laughs> um, yeah, and make sure... Make sure you go check us out at RenegadeFilmFest.com. Remember, we are coming live to the ATL, baby. Woo! Uh, we are coming at you. You zip it. You're hot, not invited. Hotlanta. I'm going. <laughs> it's getting hot in her. 
Wait, is that oh, Atlanta? My Atlanta. Oh, oh, no. You're not coming. You're not invited. Tickets are sold out. None for you. No. <laughs> That's not true. I already wrote down the website where I can get it. <laughs> Sorry, oh, sold no. out. Yep. <laughs> um, definitely check us out. If you have not yet done so, give us a like or subscribe over at Renegade Film Fest on any of your favorite social medias, including Jackie's favorite, the Twatter. And make sure that you, it never sounds organic saying that word. Um, and make sure that you do consider submitting your film or script to us before the end of this year so that you can too be judged for the Renegade Film Fest. Joey. We can find you in the literary world. Yeah, at Joe Costell on the Twitter. And I'll yeah. listen to Every Month Madness, another fine, fine Three Crones podcast. We're going to make sure to link everybody's social media down in the show notes. So please check everybody out. Like it all. Subscribe to everything. Join up. Be a part of the fucking fun family that we are. Jesus, that was That's aggressive. That's going on t-shirts. She gets very aggressive at the <laughs> end of her birthday. Fun family. It's like my Nona's birthday all over again. This is, this is a fun fucking family. <laughs> this, this, this is the end of podcast right around. <laughs> I didn't white girl waste it. Exactly how birthdays end with the crystals. You know, you, you're going to subscribe <laughs> to my channel and you're going to hit a like button. Would it kill I'm you gonna... to subscribe to the podcast? Would it you kill you? I you gave birth to you. Me. You don't know me. Subscribe to a podcast. Life. You don't know. Uh, uh. <laughs> Nana, Nana, let's go to bed. Nana, okay. put your pants on. For God's sake. The neighbors are still here, you Nana. You like and subscribe. You <laughs> like and subscribe to my podcast. And then everything's going to be fine. Y'all don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> oh, my God. It has been so much fun with you guys tonight. Thank you guys seriously so much for taking the time out of your evening to hang out with me and just be silly and nonsensical and join in the shenanigans. It, it really does mean the world to me. Hey, happy birthday to me. Uh, bye -bye. Happy birthday. Come back again. I want you to stay next time Cause sometimes the world ain't kind When people get lost like you and me I just made a friend A friend is someone you need You're listening to the Geekscape Network.